Welcome to another episode of Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan, and I'm joined today by Helen Fernald. Each week, I interview spiritual explorers, amazing coaches, and authors from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between, because I truly do believe every season is a beautiful opportunity for transformation. In this episode of the podcast, we are chatting with Helen about five tangible steps someone can take to finally befriend their grief and her upcoming book, Love Helen, Letters to My Mother, Creating a Loving Connection After Loss. Helen is also a grief recovery expert, and as I mentioned, she's author of the forthcoming book, Love Helen, Letters to My Mother, Creating a Loving Connection After Loss. And she also specializes in teaching therapeutic letter writing. So I'm really excited (laughs) to learn more about that. So Helen, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Cindy. I cannot tell you how excited I am to be here, how honored I am. And I just really want to say that I, beyond my own gratitude to you I, 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 for this opportunity, I just want to tell you what a beautiful light you are in the world. I think that the when I saw the title of your podcast, I was immediately drawn to it because I thought, we all have all of these changes and we all uh, we all need to explore all of these seasons and i think that you offer such a beautiful forum for for women of all ages to do that so thank you so much i'm very grateful Oh, I appreciate you saying that. And that's one of the things I love about the podcast and podcasting in general is it's so inspiring to hear stories from people who are, you know, on their own unique journey and just to learn from their experiences. Yes, yes. And if I could just add one more note. I, I was talking with my niece yesterday, and I was telling her about this and your purpose. And she wrote, she texted me afterwards, and I just wanted to read what she said because I think it really sums up what you offer to the world. So she said, Cindy provides us a wonderful opportunity to use her metaphor to expand our own perspective and understanding of our experiences. And I just thought that was such a perfect description of what you do. So thank you. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Well, tell her thank you very much for me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's planning to to listen to this later. So, <laughs> okay. Well, you know, my favorite question, and I always start the interview off with this, is what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally? or in your business? I love that question. I I love listening to your different speakers talk about what it means to them because it does mean something different for each one of us. So for me, the, the minute I first read it, I immediately thought about the timeline of life, which is, you know, the childhood and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and all the things that I've done in my life and all the opportunities. But then what I really started to think about was how my book is actually about exploring the seasons of life. And I think unlike a linear timeline, my book is about exploring the seasons of the heart. 
So it's how, how all those emotions, the joy, the sadness, everything gets all mixed together. And I think that's the beauty of life. And that's the beauty of the seasons of life. And I think it's the fun and the challenges and the grief and the joy. And sometimes we're really entrenched in one of those pieces. And sometimes they just get all mixed together. I was so reminded as I was thinking about that of the year for me of 1978. In 1978, in July, I married my sweetheart and we're married all these years still, very, very happily. And um, four months later, nearly to the day, four months later, my father, who was the other man in my life, died very suddenly. And it was such a juxtaposition of those two feelings, that feeling of such joy and gratitude, and then also that, that deep, deep grief. So I, and, and I think that I've seen this cycle around so many times in my life. So that for me, I think is above all what it means. And also I was reflecting on the fact that in New Hampshire, I live in New Hampshire, and uh, we talk about the fact that we have four, we actually have five seasons. So we have uh, spring and summer and winter, fall and winter. But then we also have what we call in New Hampshire, the mud season. And that usually runs anywhere between the middle of March and the middle of, of April. And it is always so changeable. And every day you could have a sunny, beautiful day and the next day you could be slogging through the rain. But what I was struck about was that the mud season is a little bit like grief, I think. When you start to get into that, you find yourself really slogging along as though you're just really walking and slogging through the mud. And then you go a while and you might see a little daffodil coming up or you might see a little tulip, but then it rains and then you have to slog around some more and you might lose a shoe. But then you keep going and eventually you come to where you see the tulips and the hyacinths. And so I think it's that constant changing and that constant evolving of those of those seasons that is really um, such a beautiful metaphor for life. So thank you. You know, Helen, as you're talking, I'm just, I'm loving that you're, you're like taking us through the story <laughs> of all these seasons and talking about how those emotions yes. all like mingle together. It's like this melting pot. Yes. Yes, yes, we can't. We think about, well, I just want to be happy or I just want to be, but life isn't like that. And, but what we can find, we can be in a day that's so challenging. And yet we can look outside and we can see something absolutely beautiful. And, or we might get a call from a friend or, or our cat comes and purrs to us. So it's just this constant changing and this constant mixture. And I, I think that's for, perhaps for me one of the beauties of life, I think. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Now, we are going to talk about your book, but I would kind of like to start off with, let's talk about maybe five steps that someone can take to finally befriend their grief so they can move forward into a new phase of life. And, you know, you and I have exchanged emails and everything, and I just loved that you were going to be talking about that. And helping people free themselves from that heaviness that losing a loved one can bring? I think this is such a beautiful question. And I've reflected on this question a lot over my life because I've had so many sudden losses in my life of the people that I really loved. And, and 
I come from a family where we didn't deal with grief. We didn't deal with emotions. And I don't think I'm the only fam from, from the only family that did that. So I really, when, particularly after my mother died, very suddenly when I just, shortly after I turned 40, I, I was so overwhelmed with that grief. And I didn't know what to do. In my family, you just moved forward. You just sucked everything up, you stuffed it down, and you just moved forward. So the first thing that I would recommend to people, uh, that took me a long time to get this one, but the first thing that I would recommend to people is that you just acknowledge your grief. I think that's the first step, acknowledging it, and then also giving yourself permission to feel it, to actually grieve. I know that that can be so hard because I realized after a number of years of not dealing with the grief around my mother, that there was a part of me that was so afraid I would never be able to stop crying, that I didn't want to start crying uh, because I just felt like the dam would burst and I didn't know if I could recover. So I understand how hard that can be for people. But I think above all, that that is really the first step is just acknowledging and giving yourself permission. I think for me, the second step is absolutely to find someone to talk with. I personally would suggest um, a therapist, someone who really specializes in this, could be a therapist, a doctor, um, a coach. Uh, there are grief groups. I know in, even in our small town, we have a grief group. Um, it could be a pastor. I, I first turned to my pastor, and then he connected with me with a, with a, with a therapist, and it, it was just so extraordinarily helpful. Now, I know some people, depending on the state of grief, some people can talk to a family member. Some people can talk to a friend. So I think it all depends on the circumstances and the person, but I think that is step number two, absolutely, to find someone to talk with. And I would say for me, step number three is to find some sort of practice, some sort of practice where we can just learn to take a breath and be still. I think that we can't really turn into our grief until we can slow down enough to acknowledge it and to be able to talk about it. For me, that could be, I have explored and used and continue to use many, many techniques. For me, it could be um, being out in nature, just really just stopping and taking a deep breath. It can be meditation. It can be mindfulness. It can be tapping. It can be many, many things. It could be yoga and Tai Chi, whatever it is. But I think that is really important to learn to take, even if it's just for two or three minutes to just stop and take a breath. So that would be absolutely my third recommendation. My fourth recommendation, and I, this has been truly a salvation for me, is to spend time in nature. And I know that I live in a beautiful town in rural New Hampshire, so I'm very fortunate. I live near a beautiful lake, and I actually go down to the lake every morning. I've gone down for the last four years every morning, and I often spend two hours down by the lake in all sorts of weather because it's a time when I can pray. It's a time when I can meditate. It's a time when I can just listen. And what I have discovered is that no matter what the weather is, there is just always this extraordinary beauty. And so I think even if I grew up in Cleveland, so I know what city life is like. And I've lived in Madrid, which is a huge metropolis. So I, I know what that is like, but there are always places in, in cities, even if you find a tree or a little tiny garden 
or a park of some nature, whatever it is that will, or just looking out your window, it, just finding some connection with nature because nature teaches us so much. Nature teaches us about the about the cycles of life and that everything is constantly changing. I can go to the same place by the water every day for one month and every day it's completely different. It doesn't make any difference. And that's such a powerful reminder that no matter where we are in life, it will change. We could be at the top of the of, of joy and it's gonna change. Or we could be in the depths of sorrow and it will change. So I think that that would be my fourth step my fifth step is about writing letters to the one that you've lost. I feel that and I can talk a little bit more about that, but I just wanted to give an introduction to that, that I think that letter writing has been something that people have used for hundreds and probably thousands of years. And yet we live in such a fast paced world that people don't write letters anymore. You know, you, when you pick up your mail, you used to find cards and little greetings, you know, from your aunt or your grandmother or your mother. And now, you know, you get bills and you get advertisements and it's not fun at all. So I think that um, also, you know, writing letters has just been so therapeutic. It was a way of people expressing love. I think about, I actually, have two full boxes of letters between my parents. My father during World War II, my father behind the front lines, and my mother working in Michigan. And I have no doubt that those letters were what kept them, particularly my father, alive. So I think that writing a letter to a lost loved one is a way of renewing that connection. Helen, those are absolutely wonderful. I'll make sure those are all in the show notes because each one you know, someone can go deeper into, and and I love that you said it, and you said it a couple times, but everything changes, just like nature. Exactly, yes, and just like the seasons, it's always different, everything, exactly. So it is like riding a wave, I think, because you're constantly, it's that constant flowing. Our idea is to be flowing, of course, but you know, sometimes there's tsunamis or hurricanes, and, and we have to be able to find a way to ride through those also. Well, you talked about the letters, and I am really want to go straight into that because that just fascinates me because I have had someone on the podcast in the early, early days of the podcast who talked about letter oh, writing wonderful. I love and that. how, yeah, and just, but in terms of how, you know, we don't write letters anymore, exactly. not necessarily um, mm. as a therapeutic way, right. but um, so can you talk about, I don't know, maybe your process or how you use the letter writing? Yes, I can. What I'd like to do is talk about how I I came about that, but also just give some steps. So maybe just to begin with, I will just give some concrete uh, information about how people can go about that. So the first thing I think for writing letters is that it needs to be something that you want to do. It shouldn't be something that you feel, oh my God, now I have to sit down and write a letter. I have to do all this other stuff, but now I got to add a letter. It should be something that you want to do. So I think the first thing to do is to go out and get a really beautiful notebook. And, you know, it it can cost you 99 cents. I love the kinds that just open flat so you can really write on it. When you're right, when I'm talking about writing a letter, I'm talking about handwriting, not just typing it up on the computer, because it's a very different process connecting the mind with the heart. So I think that that is very important. And get yourself a nice pen 
The next place is to find a place in your home where you could keep these. I would keep a box of tissues handy also. And uh, and also, mm, I mean, everyone would could do it differently. But my suggestion when you're beginning is to just think about doing it a couple of times a week and see what happens. And uh, it's also, I think, very important to be patient. Maybe we're not at the right place to write letters. Maybe we haven't processed enough so that we're comfortable. So maybe you write a couple of letters or you try to write a couple of letters and then you stop and wait for another month or two. So I think it needs to be a very flexible process. I think it's very important, very, very important to remember that when you write letters to your lost loved one, you never have to share anything. These are very private. In my book, I am choosing to share my letters to my mother because they are straight from my heart, and I think that they can be of great help to people. But I think that when you, if if someone chooses to sit down and write, that's so important to know that these may never be seen by anyone. These are just your letters straight from your heart. And I think that's so important. And I think that it's also important if you start writing letters and you get stuck stuck in some deep grief or stuck in some anger, it's best to just stop. Don't push yourself. Maybe find a therapist because you're probably being triggered by something that you haven't fully resolved yet. So I think, again, it's so important. And if you'd like, if this would be a good time, I could I could either talk about my process a little more or I could just share one of my letters, my first letter. Oh, I would love for you to share your letter. I will share my letter here. Oops, it's okay. This was the first letter that I wrote to my mother. My mother, just to give you a little time frame, my mother died in July of 1992. And I did not start writing letters until 2008. So this was my first letter, and I entitled it Letters Through the Veil, because I feel like for me, from a spiritual sense, our loved ones are always around us, but we just simply can't see them. So this is the first letter. Dear Mom, I wish that I could invite you over for a cup of coffee. I wish that we could sit at the kitchen table and talk about family and the children. I wish you could hug me and tell me everything will be okay, how I miss you. I know that you are right inside my heart and beside me every moment of the day, so I will talk to you. If I listen closely, I will hear you whisper in my ear. I will find you in my heart and we will walk side by side. You are my strength and I will listen carefully to your advice. I love you. Mom, your gifts have been innumerable. They are so bountiful that I am not sure where to begin to thank you. At times I have been blind to these gifts, wanting what you could not give me. Other times I have shared the joy of opening the presents with you, always knowing that they have come from your heart. Your greatest gift, without a doubt, has been your unending love. I can feel it whether you are right beside me or miles and perhaps dimensions away. I know that you have not left me. Nevertheless, I have struggled with feelings of abandonment during my life. You were always very busy trying to work and care for others, keeping yourself so occupied that you wouldn't have time to think about all the challenges that surrounded you. I often resented that busyness, wondering when it would be my turn. Yet how could I ever resent anything about you? You were the angel in my life, the one I could call upon for reassurance in any matter. How I loved to receive your letters where you told me that I was perfect, that everything I did was the right thing. When I was worried, you always told me that everything would be all right. Sometimes I find an old letter tucked away and I know you are still by my side. I can hear the echo of your voice while I read your letter. 
You left this world too soon. I wasn't ready. And maybe I'm still not ready to let you go. Yet with all of your grace, you left me an incredible present. You allowed me to continue my life, a beautiful reflection of all that you offered me. My greatest gift to you was my own happiness and a family much like the one you created. You saw me as a fulfilled adult, loving and loved. Now, as a gift to you, I shall see myself as that woman, caring for myself and for others with the love that you taught me. You never wanted to switch roles and let me be your caretaker. Instead, we have become good friends, sharing a profound and eternal love between our hearts that allows us to walk side by side as adults. Thank you for all of your gifts and for encouraging me to find my own happiness. Love, Helen. Mm, I love that so much. Thank you. It's taken everything not for me to burst out crying <laughs> because that is so beautiful. Yes, I, I have my tissues here, but I think I'm okay. <laughs> uh, so as you were, as I was listening to you write the letter, you were also, it's not all just, um, I'm not sure what the right word is, but it's not all just happiness. Oh, no. If, I don't know if that's the right word, but you do express your your deeper feelings about wanting to be part, you know, have your attention. Yes. It was time for, yes. for you. Yes, yes. And I think um, you asked about my process. I, for whatever reason, I would just sit down and things would just pour out of my heart. I didn't spend three days writing this. I spent probably one hour just writing this, writing this by hand, just letting all of those emotions. And that is actually how I wrote the whole book. I might, sometimes I would work, write, wake up in the middle of the night and I could just feel that I needed to jump out of bed and write a letter. So I would come downstairs and grab the tissues and just sit and write, write, write. Or I could be in the shower or I could be out for a walk. I never knew when the letters were going to come to me, but that was my process. And, and there are letters of all sorts. There are letters about my deep grief about my frustration, about my not understanding. There are, are there are letters about being a mom and how am I doing this? Because after, the year after my mother died, my second child was born. So it's about also things that I would talk to her about, about childhood and, and about letting go as the children, because I wrote actually for for eight years. So it is, so there were a lot of things involved in the letters and a lot of emotions and everything very mixed all together. So, so you're absolutely right. I feel like that's why it, it so represents exploring the seasons of my life because there were, there are many, many seasons just in that one book. Yes, absolutely. And I want to ask you one more question about the, the letter writing. So Helen, are you going to incorporate some sort of workshop or class around letter writing? Yes, that is my plan because actually I have been a teacher for, for 50 years and I feel like the book is actually taking me back into that teaching world. So although I don't have that organized yet because I'm really finishing working on, the book is written, but I'm editing the book so it can be published hopefully for Mother's Day of next year. Uh, but that is also what I will plan to do absolutely because I think it's such it's so important and there are so many things that I would like to share with people about my own process and, and what I would suggest to other people. So I've actually envisioned workshops and I actually was envisioning a, a three-day workshop down in Puerto Rico at some point. So I've been thinking about all of those fun ideas because whenever I think about teaching, I can get very excited about that. 
So thank you for asking. Well, you, <laughs> yeah, you will have to keep us updated on that for sure. I will do that. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. I, I also just wanted to mention that, mm, that I, I never knew when, when this book would end. I, I had no idea. I just kept writing and writing. And the letters all sort of ended in the same way. They all ended in, in with ex- perhaps the exception of this one. They all were about, Mom, please stay by my side. I still need you. And then uh, eight years later, in 2016, I woke up on Mother's Day and I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to write a letter to my mother. And I wrote a letter and that letter ended in a different way. And I knew the book was done. And I have that last paragraph. I don't know if we have time, but I would love to read to you that last paragraph. Would that be all right? Yes, please okay. do. So this is the final letter from my mother. 16 years ago. When you died, Mom, I lost my foundation, and I floundered. I couldn't seem to find my way. Struggling, I tried to control the uncontrollable, burying parts of me inside my heart. Not wanting anyone to see my pain, I tried not to acknowledge my suffering. Finally, I have returned to my path, my own journey through this life, learning to flow with the easy and the hard, the sad and the happy, the dark and the light. I have always stayed within safety, never risking the unknown. Now I give myself permission to step out into the world with all its risks and its mysteries. I am my foundation, my support. I now stand in my own power. Thank you, Mom, for guiding me here with your light. I love you. Love, Helen. You know, Helen, that is, first of all, it's so beautiful, but it is... It is what I believe women need to hear. Yes. yes. You know, whether they have lost their mother or not. Yes. It's finding that strength, that connection, and that actual strength within ourselves. That knowing that we, although we love to hear people telling us that it's going to be okay, that we can handle things, it is that shift into that new season when we know within our hearts that we can handle things, we can handle the challenges, we can handle things and and still focus on the joy. Hmm. I'm going to tell you, I have, I'm just loving everything, <laughs> but I have a couple more things I wanted to talk to you about yes. if you've got the yes. time. Okay. Absolutely. So on the podcast, I talk about self-care a lot and self-care is so personal yes. Do you have a favorite self-care practice? I know you do your writing, and we have not mentioned you're also a photographer. (laughs) Which is a way of actually (laughs) self-caring. Exactly, exactly. But I I love that you focus on that because that, again, is something that I didn't know about. I was raised to take care of everybody else. And uh, my mother died the following year. My second child was born. I was teaching part-time. I was a mother. I was doing so many things. And after four years, I actually fell apart. I ended up in the hospital with a fractured back and pneumonia, which is a terrible combination. So I learned that we have to take care of ourselves. And I think some of my favorites are very definitely walking and meditating and being in nature and doing yoga. You know, when you said you had pneumonia and a, a, what, a, a fractured, fractured back, yes. And a fractured back. Yes. 
Yes, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you can't no, even cough. No, no, it was horrible. <laughs> so I'm very grateful that I learned about self-care. And I love that you focus on self-care in your podcast. I think that's a really important lesson. And I think it's also important in the letter writing is, is another self-care tool. But I think that's also really important when you're going through that grieving process. I think so, because it really allowed me to, above all, just understand what I was feeling. We, it's so confusing and there are so many things. But when we sit down and write a letter to somebody that we love, then it gives us that chance to open our hearts and to allow ourselves to understand what we are feeling. So you're right. It's, it was mm. a beautiful technique for self-care. Beautiful technique. So what's the biggest surprise you've had in the last few months and why? This is, oh, I, I love this question. And I'm so happy to talk about it because I, I do have very vivid dreams. And I even had a dream from my mother the night that she died. And um, so I feel that in some way I've come full circle because just recently I had a dream and I've had very specific dreams about my return to this journey as I focus on publishing the book. And just recently I had a dream where I was in a car, I was driving, it was dark. I didn't know where I was going. It was very curvy. It was a mountain road and I, and it was, it was scary. And then I suddenly realized that my mother was sitting right next to me in the passenger seat. And she was completely filled with light. She was completely filled with light. And it was such, such a beautiful image. And I knew in that instant, the minute I woke up from that dream, that, that she really is right here with me. And she is guiding me. And I don't need to be afraid of the road ahead of me. And that I am driving. I'm driving on my own path, but she is right there. And it was just such a, such a, it was like a miraculous gift. It was such a blessing, such a, and such a surprise. So thank you. Thank you. You could see that. That really touched my heart. <laughs> yes. Thank you for sharing that, that dream and the vulnerability there, because I think as we are sharing. Yes pieces of ourselves yes. like that. Yes. It's like I said in the beginning, you know, about podcasting and, and hearing other people's journeys yes. and how inspiring it is. Yes. And, and the surprising things that can come about when we really follow our heart. So. Yes. Now, how can people work with you? How can people find your website, your social media? Thank you so much for asking. I, I do have a website. It's just simply my name, HelenFernal.com. It, it is primarily focusing on photography because that's what I've been doing for the last four years. But it is going to be under uh, construction for the next month. Probably, hopefully, by the time this is broadcast, it will be up and running. Um, but it will have um, it will have a way to contact me, also a way to to receive my my newsletters and whatever's happening. And um, also, I'm planning to start a blog uh, after Mother's Day of or near Mother's Day of this year, which will carry through to the next year. And there will be also information on that. I'm also very active uh, under my name, Helen Fernald, uh, both on Instagram and on Facebook. So people can find me in all of those places. 
And I will have all that again in the show notes for people to reach out to you. And Helen, I just I just want to one tell you thank you so much for being on here. And also, if you had just to boil our conversation down, what is the one big key takeaway you would want our listeners to get? I think that it's when we actually stop and explore the seasons of our life. I think that there are miraculous things that can happen. Amazing things. And and it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be honest. We we are who we are and we are all gifts to the world. We are all lights to the world. And I think that those are I know that's a little more than what you asked, but that's what that's that would be for me the biggest takeaway. Oh, I love it. I love everything. <laughs> and, you know, I was I was going to release this episode probably in April, but I'm thinking I might release it closer to Mother's Day. That would be perfect. Because I think, yes. I think it would, would be a perfect, absolutely perfect Mother's Day gift. I love that. Oh, my gosh. That just touches my heart. That, that goes is the second biggest surprise I've received in the last few months. <laughs> So thank you so much. I would just be thrilled. I I love that. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. And I just All right. I just want to thank you again so much for this opportunity to share. It's just been such a delight to to speak with you. You you just have such beautiful energy and I I'm just so grateful to be here. So thank you so much. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you, Helen, for joining us. And as always, thanks for listening to Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast. If you love this conversation and you want to continue it or want to share your thoughts, your takeaways, or any ahas that came up, come on over to Instagram. That is where I spend most of my time when it comes to social media. I'm at cindy.macmillan on Instagram. Make sure you're following me. Say hello. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, live inspired.